0: Hi everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're gonna talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies we'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast, our first episode of 2023. We have a great guest for you. I had a chance to speak with Skip Keel. Skip is the still relatively new president of Medtronic's cranial and spinal technologies business. He is a med tech veteran. He's worked at uh, several medical device companies in a few different areas, but uh, with a real focus on uh, orthopedics and spine. And uh, he's also f- had an interesting career path. His, uh, his first job was not in med tech, and I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing what he was up to. And uh, I also thought he offered some great advice for young metal device executives. So uh, definitely give a listen to that. But overall, we're gonna talk about the opportunities that Medtronic sees in. In the spinal and cranial space. We'll talk about Mazur and other systems that uh, Medtronic is bringing into the spine space and uh, Skip's a great guy to talk to, and I know you'll enjoy this conversation. But before we begin this episode, I'd like to bring in our sponsor, Allied Motion Technologies. I'm speaking with Chairman and CEO, Dick Wurzela. Dick, welcome to the program. Tell us about Allied Motion Technologies. Sure, Tom. Thank you.
1: Uh, Allied Motion is a public company that has grown quite rapidly over the years, uh, both organically and through acquisitions. We consider ourselves a technology-slash-know-how company, and our individual business units or operating units, as some may call them, we actually call them technology units. That provides ownership and leadership for a particular product and or technology on a global basis. The exciting, some exciting acquisitions occurred over the last 12 months. So we had six new acquisitions and several of those were focused on bringing leading edge technology that would can support and enhance the product line that we currently have, as well as creating and adding more value for our customers. So we see Allied continuing to grow, we see Allied looking at how we can bring together the right mix of technology and products and solutions to create and add more value for our customers.
0: Well, that's a great start. We'll hear more from Dick Wurzela a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Allied Motion Technologies right now, go to its website, alliedmotion.com. Well, Skip Keel, welcome to the podcast. Tom, great to be uh, great to be here with you today. Great to have you. You were actually a guest on a, another one of my podcasts a couple of years ago, and I, I promise I won't gush as much as I did. I just listened to the podcast about your being a double A baseball player back in the day, though I still think it's tremendously cool. But this is a, a new audience and a new opportunity. Tell us a bit about your pre med tech career, and then we'll get into your med tech career.
2: Yeah, Tom, thanks so much. Number one, I was a professional baseball player. I had a unique experience having a career before I have a a, a real career. Uh, (laughs) I was able to play professional baseball for for seven years and uh, played in the uh, Phillies, Yankees, and Cincinnati Reds organization. You know, they they had enough of me after seven years and said, hey, kid, you can't hit a curveball or slider. You got to go figure out something else to do in life. So (laughs) I decided to reinvent myself and, uh, you know, was uh, one of those experiences you learn a lot from and uh, I I still draw on on a a daily basis um, in regards to, you know, kind of business prep and plan and all that kind of fun stuff.
0: So we understand why that career uh, came to a conclusion. How did you find your way into MedTech?
2: You know, Tom. Really, really interestingly, uh, I had always had an interest in, in healthcare. You know, my mom uh, was uh, a nurse for thirty six years and worked in healthcare administration, and so I'd always been around hospitals and doctors. And and you know, quite honestly, I was a pre med undergrad in school at Cal State Fullerton. But you know, when your uh, your classes conflicted with baseball practice, and I you your son, it was time to be a practice a practice, and so. Kind of put that on the back burner, but uh, reinvigorated that uh, as I as I left baseball, I found myself in the training room a lot. A few injuries here and there, so I, I still had that that mentality, that mindset around you know sports medicine, orthopedics. You know, feeling like there is an opportunity to to make a broader impact in overall healthcare, and I just had this kind of burning desire to really get involved and and uh, and do something different. And, and so that's really when I my first job out of. Uh, College and and professional baseball was working at Stryker and uh, got in on the sales level and kind of worked my way up through the company and had a nice 12 uh, 12 year career there.
0: Well, that's it. Yeah, an interesting start at Stryker. And and, and, uh, speaking of minor league baseball, I I see them uh, sponsoring a lot of the games, which is kind of an interesting demographic. I don't know if they're advertising to the fans or to the players on the field, but you went from orthopedics to Alcon and and in both those jobs, Stryker to Alcon, in both those jobs. You worked for a lot of international companies, correct? Were you locate? Were you working OUS? Uh, Were you just working with those divisions? What did that part of your career look like?
2: Yeah, yeah, Tom. That that was a really interesting experience. I had uh, an opportunity when I was with Stryker to uh, move out to New Jersey or take an overseas assignment, and uh, made the decision to to move my family overseas. So I spent three years in Tokyo, Japan, running Stryker Japan, and subsequently uh, we decided that we enjoyed the experience so much and you know we moved to to europe so i lived in rome italy uh, geneva switzerland and london and so we were markets wow. and had uh, the family there and really it was a great opportunity for me to you know get a good understanding of global healthcare and the policies and the implementation of uh, you know how those policies are are executed you know universal healthcare is very different than what we operate here in the united states on a for profit basis and so you know understanding how to drive meaningful value creation there is very different than what it looks like in uh, in the us and another, you know, kind of broader developed and or emerging growth market. So it was really uh, where I honed my skill set in regards to, you know, managing uh, leadership in an environment where you don't necessarily speak the language. You got to really understand and, and lean on, you know, the surgeons and the partners that you you work with and uh, spending a lot of time with them uh, in those foreign markets was, was fantastic. And really, it was a foundational aspect for me running a global business uh, the last couple of times in, in senior executive roles.
0: How much fun? I mean, it must have been a great deal of fun traveling the world, living in different cities like that, especially with a, a young family. So I can see the, the personal benefit. Curious, on, on a professional side of things, would you recommend someone, uh, someone you were mentoring to to do that because you get such great exposure, or is it not necessarily good for everybody, but it was good for you?
2: You know, Tom, I, I have a very specific perspective on, you know, kind of international growth experiences. and And I would tell you, And this was shared to me by one of my mentors, you know, almost 15 years ago, you know, for every year that you spend outside of your home working environment. So the country that you grew up in, the language you speak is like three years of uh, accelerated development. And and so when you think about um, the opportunity to live and work abroad, both on a personal and professional level, it really hones your ability to communicate. You got to be clear. You have to be concise and consistent with your message because your message is being translated into multiple languages. Um, You know, when I was in Japan, I I worked through an interpreter. Uh, I spoke enough Japanese to get by, could understand in business conversations. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I was at the mercy of my message and making sure that you could influence the direction of travel in the business. Um, So you had to be really, you know, what I call it to be bright, be brief and be gone. And making sure that you're you're consistent in in clarity of that message, you know, each and every time you you get up and, and have a conversation or you're imparting expectations on a team.
0: And as a manager and a leader, do you find yourself drawing on you must on the experiences from these other cultures? Because you you get to see how how other folks do it, you get to see how other health healthcare systems run, and I have to I just have to believe it. It, it informs many of your decisions you make because you've just you can see things maybe from a different perspective.
2: Yeah, you know, Tom, it gives you it gives you um, your aperture changes per se in, in regards to how you see the world and. You know, it's really interesting here at Medtronic and, and what we're doing. You know, we have, you know, probably one of the most robust pipelines of products and innovation. And, you know, one of the other really, you know, kind of unique skills that Medtronic has is through our diversity of perspective and the power of our people and making sure that we understand, you know, our ability to grow faster is through the uh, the leaders that we bring into the company and the folks that we, we groom in the company. Um, you know, we operate in 120 countries around the world, and I kind of call it that we're all the same, kind of different. You know, that means we, <laughs> we want to create uh, access to healthcare. You know, we want to eliminate healthcare inequity. What a great place to have an opportunity to do that, like Medtronic. And and so I do draw on those experiences almost daily, Tom, in regards to you know how we show up as an enterprise, how we show up as a leadership team, how we show up as uh, as individual contributors in this enterprise. And for me, it's a uh, it's a must do in regards to thinking about you know, the future of healthcare, because the world is changing, you know, case in point with COVID and, and having the ability to have, you know, these type of conversations is, is very uh, uh, is very doable. Now, we're, we're probably five, six years ago, uh, you and I would have jumped on a plane, or I would have jumped on a plane, or you would have jumped on a plane, and we would, you know, be doing a, a face-to-face interview uh, versus doing something over Zoom. And now, you know, many many meetings are run, you know, very efficiently around the world, but that doesn't take away the experience of being in the market for the market.
0: Absolutely. Great stuff. Well, let's talk about uh, the business you're leading to just to finish off your career story. You, you went to Novasive for, for a short time. And then when we spoke, you were uh, leading orthopedics at Smith & Nephew before coming to Medtronic almost uh, a year ago. What was it that appealed to you about the Medtronic opportunity? Now, let's take a quick break from this interview to bring back our sponsor, Allied Motion Technologies. Once again, I'm speaking with Chairman and CEO Dick Warzela. Dick, tell me, how does Allied Motion work with the medical device industry?
1: Uh, Great question. What Allied does is we've created what we call a solution center. And within the solution center, we have our engineering team that's trained and understands the total product capabilities and solutions within the company. So once we understand what the challenge is, what we will do is we will begin modeling it. We will then look at uh, what is the optimal solution for that particular problem. And then we will then define it. And instead of having to cut hardware, produce a product, ship it to a customer, and go through that multiple iterations of testing, we feel that our ability and our increased capabilities to do simulations and modeling allows us to get it right the first time. So if everything works the way it's supposed to work, we, understand, we get we get a solid understanding of the challenge. We go through our solution center. We model it and we come up with a solution, present it back to the customer. And if, it, if everyone agrees, it looks like that will do the job. We go ahead and produce the
0: product and deliver. So, Dick, I understand you've made an exciting acquisition in the surgical robotics space. What can you tell us?
1: One of the most recent acquisitions we've had is provided us with some technology that we've admired for many years. What it does is, you know, the surgical robot is intended to mirror the human body in terms of smoothness of operation, so forth, and the feedback that the surgeon would like to feel through the robot. This product line provides us with a motor, which is the highest torque density in the market. It's also zero cogging, meaning very smooth operation and it has low hysteresis as drag. So it takes out any influences other than something like the surgeon would like to feel as, as if he was doing it directly and not through a robotic device. So with that, we feel that uh, it gives us a
0: real competitive
1: advantage to provide the surgical robot companies exactly what they're looking
0: for. And final question, Dick, where else can we find allied motion technologies in the medical device industry? You'll see allied in wide range of
1: applications, including in CPAPs, ventilators, respirators, cancer screening, and oncology treatment equipment, medical handles, dialysis equipment, nuclear imaging, patient handling, uh, for example, chairs, exam tables, beds, transport, rehab, and advanced prosthetics is another area where we excel at, powered wheelch- wheelchairs and mobility scooters, stair lifts, And last but not least, we talked about Allied as a leader in motion solutions and surgical robots.
0: Well, that is great. Thank you to Allied Motion Technologies for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thank you, Dick Warzela, for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to find out more information about Allied Motion Technologies, go to its website, alliedmotion.com. That's A-L-L-I-E-D motion.com. What was it that appealed to you about the Medtronic opportunity? Uh, you
2: know, I'd always, from afar, had seen Medtronic as having this enviable position of of opportunity. They were typically the market leader in every sub segment that they participated in. And you know, when you get a call from Jeff Martha, and you know, no other reason you want to pick up the phone and uh, have a <laughs> cup of coffee, have a conversation, and you know, get a little bit uh, smarter from uh, from that uh, that dialogue. And, and that's exactly what happened. I had a a couple of dialogues with Jeff, and we talked about the future and and the idea around you know, enabling technology and the impact it's are going to have on healthcare over the next 25 years. And, you know, we, we really had some meaningful conversations around not only where Medtronic is today, but the kind of leadership construct and the ideas of uh, where they want to take the business under Jeff's leadership. And it was very appealing to have an opportunity to come work at, you know, not only the largest, uh, you know, but one of the most innovative medical technology companies in the world. and And so I was very excited about the opportunity and you know, given uh, the opportunity to lead uh, our CST business, which is the second largest operating unit at Medtronic, You know, it's five billion plus in sales, and you know we operate in 120 countries around the world, and, and have thousands and thousands of associates that work under our our purview. So it's uh, it's an exciting uh, entry into Medtronic, that's for sure.
0: Well, let's talk about the uh, the the business that you oversee, the cranial spine business. What are the what are the the products? Parts of the body are, are, are clear in the name, but what are some of the products in your portfolio?
2: Yeah, we've, we've, you know, I mean, if if you know uh, the spine business, you know, we, we've got, you know, Prestige, we've got O-Arm uh, from an imaging perspective, we've got Stealth S8, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Mazor, our robotic solution, you know, Synergy on the T-Left side, Solera. Uh, we can go down the list of products, but, you know, Thomas isn't so much about the plastics and metals that we participate in. It's really about uh, the ability to reinvent the standard of uh, standard of care in, uh, in and and healthcare, and that was what was really exciting about coming to the CST business was really seeing the opportunity um, with this enterprise. We, we operate in such a position of strength. It was really exciting to think about you know if we can bring all of this together uh, in a meaningful way. What what is it really going to do for the standard of care in in healthcare? And I think that's for me the the most exciting opportunity. You know because it's it's not just about the business of spine that we're in and the business of, uh, restoring health. But, you know, you think about the Medtronic mission and we wake up every single day, you know, focused on, uh, you know, alleviating pain, restoring health and extending life. Uh, it, it's a pretty, uh, exciting opportunity when you think about that and you get to translate that into this, uh, this amazing product portfolio. It's exciting.
0: What would you say are there the two or three, let's say three biggest, uh, pillars that uh, the strength is, is resting upon, uh, in, in the business?
2: Yeah, there, there's there's some really core aspects of what we do. You know, you think about, you know, kind of our infused biologics platform, uh, morphogenic bone growth protein. You know, you think about our imaging platforms with stealth. It's it's the standard of care and, and overall navigation and our imaging capabilities. And then you start thinking about the implants. You know, it's uh, it's an unbelievable uh, plethora of products. We, we cover every major area in the spine. You think about, you know, neurological disorders, you, you know, Spinal and cranial tumors, uh, spinal trauma, deformity, scoliosis, DGEN, um, herniated disc, uh, spinal stenosis, uh, spinal stenosis. You can go down the list of of all these different areas and the disease states that we participate in. You know, we've got 150 plus major product categories and products uh, with major market leading share positions in in each one of these major categories. You know, we operate in a one or two environment and. Uh, everything that we do. And it's uh, it's a pretty exciting uh, opportunity to really, again, focus on transformational quality of care that we can uh, drive in in, uh, in healthcare, particularly in our, our spinal business today.
0: As I said earlier, you have previously were at Novasive, then you were d- led orthopedics at Smith & Nephew. Now you're back in the, with the spinal cranial group at Medtronic. How do you compare orthopedics with with spine as industries? Are they similar? Are they are they less alike than people think? Because they're often seen as one, but they're really very different businesses. I think.
2: Yeah, Tom, you, you, you're spot on. I think the working model is is somewhat similar. You have an implantable device. You've got working capital. You have got instrumentation, but the mentality and mindset of spine surgeons versus you know kind of hip or knee surgeons is very different. There's the the artistry and the tapestry of what we do in spine and. You know, I, I think ultimately, you know, the the focus really is is around stabilization of that spinal column and, you know, getting folks to recover faster. And and uh, you know, there's still uh, a lot of unmet needs in this industry, and and that's the focus of what we do each and every day. Uh, showing up with uh, you know something major uh, to talk about, you know, the differences and and you know, kind of uh, let's just use knees as the example. It's it's a very well defined procedural pathway. You know, the key cell stakeholders are well defined. Uh, You get into spine, you can, uh, you know, kind of talk to 10 different spine surgeries and you'll get 10 different perspectives on both the, you know, the patient identification and the predictive planning and analysis of of what that case should look like and could look like. And and so really, you know, we're in the business of standardization and and eliminating, you know, the variability in spine surgery. And and there's really a number of different ways we're doing that. You know, you might have heard of our ABLE ecosystem. And and so that's a, a pretty exciting know, launch that we just uh, are starting to roll out across the world. And you know, it's about empowering the patient. You know, we're, we're giving the surgeon more data uh, and uh, cohesively bringing this together and making sure that there's an understanding of the value creation opportunity, but more importantly, delivering better surgery and, and better outcomes, right? More predictable outcomes, which is ultimately the, the keys to the kingdom.
0: Let's drill down a bit on ABLE. What is that offering to surgeons and to patients? And how does data fit into it all?
2: Yeah, Tom. Tom, Able is really uh, AI-enabled, empowering technology, right? There's this convergence of connectivity in regards to whether it be a robot, whether it be an implant, and, and the data infrastructure, right? You know, so right now we have cloud data infrastructure. Uh, we, we've got really accelerated profile of product development. So all this is informing, you know, the way we bring products to market. But you know, there is this convergence that's going on, and and the enabling, uh, empowering technology of implants connected with navigation, with imaging, uh, with robotics. And, you know, we're, we're doing a lot in this product category and, and really allowing us to differentiate ourselves uh, fairly strategically because there's really uh, the only company in the world that can really offer all of these products uh, is Medtronic and uh, the cranial spinal technologies business. And you start thinking of practical applications of uh, a patient that is interested in, in spine surgery, they can you know, download an app and and get a bi-directional interface with a surgeon in their area, and, and get a good understanding of you know patient-reported outcomes, and you know kind of how they're feeling, they're they're monitoring their pain, and then we're enabling the surgeon to have that discussion, and and really through administration of uh, a couple of these uh, vehicles, you you get a, a better understanding of whether or not that that patient is a surgical candidate or one that's uh, a wait and see, and and manage uh, uh, you know both improved pain or mobility and. You know, you need, you need focus on, you know, psychological parameters, uh, so on and so forth. But, you know, when we actually have that discussion with the patient and the, and the surgeon, there's a preoperative component to it. There's an interoperative component to it and a postoperative component to it. So, you know, I think patient education, think prehab versus rehab. Uh, and there's, you know, patient reported assessment. You know, we've got, you know, components to, to wearables here. So this is a really uh, unique value proposition and, and really where we're empowering the patient as well as uh, enriching the, service, the surgeon's insights on that patient, and uh, you know which will in, inform the surgical plan, you know at the right patient, the right surgeon, at the right time. So th- there's a lot to this, and there's there's multi levels. You know we call it kind of concentric rings uh, when we start thinking about the power of uh, Able uh, and, and what we're going to be delivering to marketplace.
0: So so when do the patients begin touching the outer ring? Is it when they're first? feeling a bit of back pain or when they first are, are trying to engage a surgeon or are they, are, are they already in – have they already seen a surgeon or a physician when they're hitting those outer rings?
2: You know, it's it's a combination of both, Tom. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the, the patients uh, typically know that they've got some form of, uh, you know, back pain and then the understanding kind of it's a multi-stakeholder model so some of this is driven through surgeon engagement direct to consumer um, but patient identification and patient engagement is largely uh, delivered through that that application and making sure that we understand kind of you know hey exactly what's your starting point again you know making sure that they understand their pain points and and what are the problems they're trying to solve and you know what, what you know whether it's getting back to work whether it's picking up their grandkids or whether mm-hmm. it's you know running marathons or uh, you know, doing the like.
0: I think there's just so much mystery and fear when it comes to to back injuries and back pain and, and spine surgery that uh, something like this must, uh, I would hope, work to dispel some of that.
2: Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, you know, we, we've we got just, uh, you know, some great folks working in this organization. And you think about, you know, we're in the business of, uh, you know, restoring health and alleviating pain. Those first two tenets of our mission are spot on to what we do each and every day. And, and again, it's less about the plastics and metal. It's really about, you know, understanding the experiential aspect of, of having surgery can and really weigh on someone. And we want to make sure that we, we give them a good level-headed perspective on what to expect both, you know, pre-surgery, during surgery, and post-operatively on, uh, you know, whether it's a self-diagnosis or preventive care. And you combine that with uh, robotic or minimally invasive uh, spinal procedure, you know, the out- the output of that approach is, is world-class. And I think that's what you're starting to see in the marketplace today as we kind of continue to, uh, you know, separate ourselves from the competition. And it's pretty exciting. You know, our current trajectory, we have, you know, an enviable, uh, you know, kind of portfolio of technology, you know, both smart and connected uh, devices that, you know, are going to enable greater efficiency, drive improved outcomes and and really create a more connected environment uh, and, it, and it creates a little bit of a seamless experience from the patient's perspective, but more importantly, the healthcare teams inside and outside the OR. So it's uh, it, it's something we're spending a lot of time and money on and investment on the innovation lifecycle of, uh, of ABLE, again, that AI-empowered enabling technology.
0: I know you mentioned Missouri. I want to get into Missouri in a few minutes, but uh, the other the approval you had this year was, is it the Unity Spine Analyzer planning platform? Yeah, it's a unit custom
2: spinal implant rod. So we can come in and you know, you do a, a CT uh, and or an MRI, and we bring that information back, and we sit with the surgeons, and we do a preoperative plan, and you know, you get a customized rod uh, that's uh, you know absolutely based upon your physical presence and, and understanding kind of what that looks like and feels like, and making sure this the surgeon uh, you know can talk you and walk you through the level of correction you're needing uh, in that procedure. It's uh, it's it's really something that we're very proud of, and and you know we've got. Uh, Over 12,500 patient records uh, running through that already uh, today. And and so we uh, see that as a a great opportunity to converge, you know, robotics and and the active tracking of the output of those software platforms on a
0: go-forward basis. And I I think Brett Wall talked about this at at our Device Talks West Conference. Are these the rods that, that gold standard had been the surgeons basically? Are these bent by hand to sort of initially, and this is an improvement upon that?
2: Yeah, this this is a massive improvement upon yeah. <laughs> you know, Depending on your level of correction, you know, you, you think about anybody, uh, you know, building a house. It's it's kind of the the adage. That how I explain it is really, you know, it's like sitting down with a, a design and development engineer when you're when you're going to go do a remodel on a house versus a new build, and knowing what you get into on a new build is pretty straightforward, right? You can scrape the land, pour the pour the foundation, lay the. Uh, the roof and, and put the walls and everything up, you know, as you get into a remodel, there's, you know, it's like peeling back those, those layers of unknown. And that's exactly what spinal surgery has been over the last number of decades. But, yep. you know, when you really get to the point where you can empower uh, the surgeon with the data enabled technology and, and they can do a preoperative plan and they interoperatively can test that plan and, and postoperatively, it really drives a uh, a more cohesive uh, output. And, and ultimately, you know, at the, at the end of the day here, uh, this is really around, you know, driving that that connectivity, making sure that we can secure the output outcome there and then converging the, the data enablement with the implants. And that's really where we're going to be taking this over the number of years here.
0: Let let's take this opportunity to talk about about Mizzour. Uh we talked about comparing and we compared and contrast orthopedics and spine earlier. I'm curious, where does Mazur fit into your spine portfolio? Is it is it at the the center of the wheel with all the spokes kind of leading to it and all the data collected in, in robotic spinal surgery? going outward, or is it something more that's off to the side, but will be brought in for only certain spinal surgeries?
2: Yeah, Tom Tom Azor is really one of the cornerstones of our technology solution. And and you start thinking about ABLE, right? AI-enabled empowering technology. You know, our our whole focus around uh, the implementation of spinal robotics is around creating a great surgical plan with the surgeon that's really very specific to that particular patient and making sure that we we import that into the operating environment and Mazor is actually there to help execute on that. You know, the enabling technology and you start thinking about, you know, the, the world of connectivity and a go forward basis where we can act, augment the surgeon's ability and, and capacity and power, uh, you know, that solution to be delivered. You know, you start thinking about tissue characterization, segmental tracking, uh, you know, bone cutting, bone removal, all these type of things, you know, in, in the world of soft tissue robots, right. You know, with our Hugo solution, you know, we see that uh, you know being implemented in the spinal uh, area of uh, of our business, and really enabling that surgeon to operate on the on the patient with uh, the the great patient selection plan. You know, we have an image based analysis, and and really get you know great longitudinal analysis, interoperable feedback. So there's a lot going on in the world of robotics, but it's it's not just robots. It's really around uh, again how we empowering uh, that surgeon into augmenting uh, their ability to deliver a, a plan more seamlessly executed in the OR.
0: And how are you approaching just sticking on, on Mazur for a moment? This is an area in Spine that where some competition is coming along with, with uh, spinal robotics or surgical robotics in Spine. You're, interestingly enough, almost in a, in a space where like another robotics player where you're, you've you got the lead right now. How do you work to hold the lead? Do you work to hold the lead? How do you view these competitors coming in as someone you need to keep an eye on, or do you more just stick to what you're doing and... and, and Continue to do what, what got you to where you are.
2: Yeah, Tom, we're we're always keeping an eye on our competition for sure, but what it does is validate the approach and the thesis of you know the impact of of robotics and, and total healthcare, right? And and what we're doing is actually creating again those concentric rings, start thinking about you know the benefits of all key stakeholders and reinforcing our ability to close the loop on that total technology system, and that's where we are really differentiated again. Going back to that, that kind of concentric ring and, and able around our ecosystem there, you know, there's really no one else in the marketplace that can deliver the data and analytics and create the procedural standards, you know, with, with what we're doing in, you know, predictive planning and making sure you're using the right implant at the right time and, and the right level of correction. And then really managing that outcomes, uh, the outcomes and, and the tracking of those post operatively, you know, you know, so both the thinking about the patient, the surgeon, the hospital. The payer and the various partnerships that we are participating with. This is what really separates, you know, us versus our competition. And, and you know, we welcome the opportunity to compete each and every day. But really, at the end of the day, we're competing with ourselves around how much better we can make our ecosystem. And, and really, the focus is around you know product and procedural efficiencies, and, and that's really the 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 intent of what we're putting together. And ultimately. Uh, that that'll have a, a a fairly sizable clinical impact and a and a in a financial impact as we create a fully converged environment where all of these topics are coming together.
0: Looking at the spine itself, where spinal surgeries are being done, how is that changing? Are, are you seeing a rise in, in ASCs like in other specialties? And if so, how is Medtronic addressing or or pursuing those customers or serving those customers if they're already your customers?
2: Yeah, Tom, we, we definitely are seeing a transition to ASCs, not, not as fast as you were seeing in maybe, you know, kind of knee procedures and, and even in sports medicine. You know, some of the more complex spinal procedures will always be done inside of the healthcare hospital environment, but we are definitely seeing a shift to the HOPD and then for sure in the uh, the ASC setting, you know, we, we predict that there's going to be 30 to 35% of total spine procedures done in that outpatient ASC setting. You know, think about ACDFs, you know, two, two level fusions, things like that on a go forward basis. But you know, again, I, I think we're well positioned in walking through that evolution together, whether it be, you know, a, a segment of the business that's focused on empowering through technology, or is it really just a, a simple in and out procedure, day based procedure? And, and we see that as, is really unlocking the, uh, the, the patient and, you know, there's always going to be this this push and pull in regards to the environment uh, from a financial perspective on on where actually surgery is being provided and, and whether or not it can be delivered in a safe and ethical, efficient manner. Interesting.
0: Let's just take a moment to talk about the, the cranial part of the business. What exactly constitutes that? What offerings do you have up there? And, and how do you see that, uh, that changing?
2: Yeah, uh, Tom, great, great question. So we have a, a cranial navigation-based business, skull, skull Tumor Removal, you know, it, it's really a, a nice business for us. We we see a large level of utility there. You know, there's some areas that we're gonna we're gonna double down on. I love the the brain aspect of what we do, both from a neurological perspective, but you know, neuro tumors and you know, we have a great uh, product uh, portfolio in our, our CSF business and with hydrocephalus and you know, we're pretty excited about you know the direction of travel with that group. And there's some great innovation coming out uh, over the next 12, 18, 24 months there that. It really will again create additional separation uh, from us in our competition, and uh, that gets uh, pretty exciting. There, you know, we 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 love uh, the opportunity. I, again, we're a neurosurgical company, and uh, you know anything related to head, neck, cranial uh, tumors, we're gonna we're gonna spend time unpacking and, and understanding if we have the ability to to be the market leader in any one of those particular areas of clinical speciality.
0: Interesting. Going back to the spine, uh, any other products we want to talk about? I know you had Ligapass, the ligament augmentation system approved this year. Uh, Any other new approvals or or products that we should hit upon?
2: You know, Tom, we are really excited. I won't get into the specifics of of kind of what's coming, but I can tell you that, you know, the innovation lifecycle at our our spine and biologics business is as healthy as it's ever been, and and we're projecting a record-breaking number of new uh, implant technologies coming out over the next, uh, you know, two calendar years. We've had record breaking, you know, impact here and in the most recent couple of quarters and, and evidence that is really, you know, our uh, US space core spine business was up 15% year over year wow. uh, last quarter. And, and I would venture to say that was highest in industry and really, you know, it's rarefied air, especially a company of our size delivering that kind of you know, mid-double-digit uh, uh, growth, uh, that's pretty exciting. And, and we have high expectations for our, our innovation pipelines on a go-forward basis, both on the spinal and, and cranial side of the business, as well as our enabling and powering technology business.
0: That's terrific. Final question, and that kind of leads into into this final question. Where do you see the spinal business and spine surgery five or, or more years from now? with the, With the influx of data and imaging and all that's going on, spine just seems to be an area that this is all so necessary because as i said earlier there's just people get back pain and it changes every moment of their day and there's a certain as you, you sort of mentioned that you can talk to different surgeons and get different opinions of what needs to be done it seems like the veil really needs to be lifted off of spine surgery so how does this change how does this industry and, and how do the technical offerings change in the next five years or so is this a sort of a transformative period for spine
2: Tom, I would tell you this is absolutely a transformational period for Spine. You're seeing the digitization
0: of everything right. Right?
2: across, you know, uh, even in handheld devices. You know, you and your wife maybe, you know, have a conversation about uh, a trip to Fiji and then you look down at your phone and then you've got, you know, four or five different travel companies that specialize in trips to Fiji. So <laughs> AI is, uh, is alive and well. And, and, you know, our focus is really around agile product development. You know, and that, that really leverages the digitization of that process and the approach and the ways we can accelerate new product design life cycles. You know, we, we are really focused on innovating in high growth core markets. We obviously have talked a little bit about uh, the ABLE and, and the digital ecosystem. But, you know, we're creating connected products and solutions that really differentiate both today, tomorrow and into the future. And and, and really the the power of data and technology and machine learning and deep machine learning and, and uh uh AR and VR is, is something that we're gonna really see kind of infiltrate our, our industry. And, and we are at the forefront of that. We're we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in regards to creating the digital surgical ecosystem of the future and, and creating those digital strategies to really unlock growth and more importantly, deliver better surgical outcome, more predictable surgical outcome. You know, again, the evolution for transforming from plastics and metals into a digital health platform is is kind of where we see the business on a go forward basis. And You know, there's just a a great opportunity to, you know, seize the momentum and software as a service is another thing that comes to mind and really creating a personalized customer engagement platform and and real time customer feedback, patient engagement, surgeon engagement. So there's just a lot going on and and we are seeing this evolution of of healthcare, particularly in in where we serve uh, the marketplace. And there's definitely a transformation that's going on in industry as well as uh, here at CST and inside Medtronic.
0: Fantastic. Well, great stuff. Well, Skip, happy anniversary to you. You're you're celebrating one year at Medtronic. Thanks for sharing your story and and cranial spine story and for joining us on the podcast.
2: Tom, great to be with you and look forward to connecting with you in the new year.
0: Sounds terrific. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks again, Skip Keel, for joining us on the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thank you to Allied Motion Technologies for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. And thanks, of course, to you. You could do us a few favors. Please share this podcast episode on any social media channel. If you uh, share it on LinkedIn, please connect with me there. I'd love to follow the conversation. I am Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I on LinkedIn. could also do us a doubly great favor by subscribing to this podcast. If you haven't already, Medtronic Talks is available in on any major podcast application. Hit like or follow or subscribe or whatever the button says and you won't miss a future episode of Medtronic Talks and you can also check out our past episodes as well. If you're interested in a deep dive in past episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast, go to devicetalks.com. You can find it there or go to medtronic.com. You can find it there as well. Once again, that is a wrap. Please do subscribe. Please do share and please do join us on the next episode of the Medtronic Electronic Talks Podcast.